Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, we're lucky to have uh, in the studio with us Richard Burton. Uh, you might read Richard on Medium. Uh, he's done a lot of work uh, in, in a lot of different interesting areas. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, really looking forward to chatting. Yeah, so uh, to, get, to give a little bit of history, I met Richard at uh, a conference called OOL. This was in Ireland, uh, maybe about a uh, maybe a little less than a year ago, and um, we had a bunch of great conversations about crypto, and um, and I just thought it'd be he'd be a great fit to come on and talk about uh, cryptocurrency. and And Richard's working on a um, a startup that makes a um, he could probably explain it a lot better than I could, but I, it sounds like it's a, a, a money management slash wallet software for um, for people that have uh, cryptocurrency in their portfolio. And yeah, I thought it'd be great to chat with you about what you're working on and and uh, and cryptocurrency in general. Yeah, it was really interesting when we met because I'd just come off um, visiting the, uh, the Filecoin team, Alan Curris, Alan Caribbean, and I'd kind of finally started to understand what was about to happen with all of this uh, ICO mania, and it was really heating up. And I knew that um, Filecoin was just going to be enormous. Um, so when we met, it was just at the beginning of this enormous wave that has obviously kicked off over the last year. Uh, it's been very interesting to see. Uh, so. Yeah, it's um, almost a year since then, so interesting times. Yeah, we had um, so we talked a bit about Filecoin back then, and um, you were excited about it. I had looked at IPFS as like a technology uh, before we had met, and um, but I was what what I thought was really interesting was just sort of your experience. That um, I guess they they invited you to come out and talk with them about something, and you got a chance to. Um, interact with the team and, and I was really interested in kind of your impressions of the team it sounds like you were super impressed and and that they kind of have a good head on their shoulders um, I don't know what, what were your impressions without without going into anything that was confidential about the meetings like you know tell us about the team tell us uh, do they still have your confidence are they uh, is it is it a good quality group of people oh I mean absolutely top flight technic- uh, technically um, just you know unbelievable software engineers and it was it was really incredible I remember um, uh being with Juan um, uh, when the Cosmos uh, ICO went down, which was one of the most interesting token sales out there because it's a really fantastic piece of infrastructure for the Ethereum ecosystem. And that sold out in kind of 16 minutes. And, and I remember just looking at each other and thinking, well, this is going to be huge. Um, ultimately, I, I mean, Filecoin is an enormously technical project, and I'm not really smart enough to assess whether it can succeed or not. And now they have enough capital for them to, 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 to do. Um, whatever they want and, and to, to really invest in, and make this thing work. Um, and I believe they're going to you know, try and do that. Um, the, the only, the, literally the only thing I, I, I was questioning about, about the concept is, is it felt a little weird to have kind of a file storage network for the people um, that ended up being funded by the 1%, um, you know, by only by wealthy people who could afford to, to get in. Um, but uh, I under- Yeah, there was... Yeah. I remember the frustration when, so when, for people that are, maybe we should do a little bit of a background on Filecoin, but uh, Filecoin did, did this ICO to raise money for um, like a decentralized storage network where people could basically pay, use these tokens that they're selling to store data on this massively distributed network of computers, which would be kind of like, almost like being able to pay to store things on like a BitTorrent, where it would be, it would be distributed all over and possibly redundant and um, basically compete with AWS. Um, but one of the things that they made, they made a decision when they did their fundraising. And by the way, they raised, I think, around $250 million um, over the course of a couple of days. Uh, so it was pretty uh, uh, unprecedented in terms of its, uh, like, vo- the velocity of that of that project. But um, 
the uh, what was interesting is that they decided to do a um, uh, an accredited investor only um, ICO. So people had to um, people had to go through the process with AngelList and and verify that they were accredited. And so it, it eliminated like a huge percentage of the market of people that would love to buy into this ICO. And it made it very, I don't know. It, it was it, people like to think of this cryptocurrency as being very democratic and crowdfunded, and everybody gets to participate. Um, and so I'm curious. There was a lot of frustration I remember from you when 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 they went with that decision. Um, what do you think? I mean, is that was that a big mistake? Do you think it, it like because there's certainly a lot of resentment around Filecoin from a lot of people that feel like they're just not not representative of the community? Well, I think you've got to hand it to uh, Juan for trying to do the right thing in terms of the SEC regulations, and he, and he picked um, he picked the the set of trade-offs that made sense to him. Um, I, I think that um, what what would be nice, uh, I guess, in an ideal world, is just to kind of wait for the regulatory environment to get a bit more clear, and then perhaps offer up uh, an additional token sale to normal people who want to participate. Um, I, I really want to see a kind of fusion of the crowdfunding laws and token sale laws so that people can launch these token projects and raise, say, um, a million or two from the public uh, in a sensible kind of project and, and register them and, and then distribute those tokens. So, I mean, ultimately, if you're kind of scared that you might go to jail and you know you're going to raise hundreds of millions, I do understand the trade-offs made. But it, it's just it's just one thing that... Um, that there was just a difference of opinion. A difference of opinion, and that, that was all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to know what the right decision is, and we're starting to see more scrutiny of this sort of thing. So, in in some ways, it looks like maybe they made the right decision because at least it puts them a little bit above the fray yep. in terms of of um, you know regulations. Um, Joe knows quite a bit about this stuff. J- Joe's Joe's really um, well versed in in. Um, I know crowdfunding law. He he helped write the crowdfunding law here in Washington, yeah. and it, that that law sort of ended up being becoming the model for a lot of other places. Um, Joe, what do you think? Like, do you, have you been watching the like current state of regulation of of crowdfunding? Yeah, yeah, I have uh, very closely, and um, it's um, yeah, it's a difficult um, environment. I mean, if you're going to do a public token sale uh, in the U.S. right now, I mean, um, I've heard that. Um, and maybe you've heard some of this too, Richard, but like the companies that have done um, public sales, many of them have received voluminous information, you know, document discovery requests from the SEC. And uh, I don't know, it, it wouldn't be fun to be part of a project that then got like an 80 page summons from the SEC um, or something of that nature. Um, so that would be really tough. So I, you know, I, I'm a, believer in the crowd and and uh we democratization of investment i think we we ought to move in that direction in all sorts of different you know ways so i think it's unfortunate you know we have these rules that don't allow ordinary people to participate um you know and you know realistically it, it we ought to change the law to make it to make it doable um but then you know the other thing you've got going with these coin offerings is just there's all the other difficult you know complexities of doing a coin and Filecoin is a good example right because when did they uh, Richard when do we expect them to kind of deliver the coin or I mean do we have any n- knowledge about that or no well I mean a lot of it's still research based I mean there's still just huge technical challenges so it's pr- pretty hard to predict that kind of stuff I mean they're, they're trying to uh, reinvent fundamental aspects of the blockchain and perhaps push computer science in different ways so I'm incredibly too excited when they do start releasing more of their work but I don't think you can put any kind of date to something like that. If it happens in the next two years, I think it'll be absolutely phenomenal. 
Yeah, they um, right. they've been kind of. I mean, obviously the expectations for investors. And I, I bought some Filecoin when it came out. You know, I'm, I'm watching eagerly to see like when the next update will come out. And it's it's been sparse in terms of like their release of information. And hopefully that means that they're spending a lot of time figuring out the right way to do it. Um, but yeah, there hasn't been a lot of you know of um, public facing motion on the project. Um, but hopefully they'll they'll nail down the details and launch the coin. Um, you know, maybe in a year or so. Um, I'm curious. Tell, tell us about your uh, your project, the the balance. Uh, Richard has a company called Balance. They make a. Well, why don't you describe it? It's is it a wallet software or is it more of a personal finance app? Yeah, it began life as a kind of side project with a, a couple of friends, um, and we were making a personal finance tool we wanted to use, um, and it was a it was a Mac and iOS app that um, uh, kind of tracked your finances and fairly standard kind of mint style project that was really. A side project, and then and then I'd actually done some work for the Ethereum Foundation um, before they did their sale back in the day. A bunch of design work, a, a DApp store concept, um, wallets, network monitors, things like that that helped them pitch Ethereum when they sold it to investors. Um, and, uh, and then Ethereum kind of really took off, and I, I started paying attention again. And and I over the last year, I, I just realised that there's lots of room for uh, improvement and the user interfaces that interact with a lot of these different blockchains. Um, and so we've tried a few things, and, and now we are just laser focused on a web and mobile app uh, for um, Ethereum and ERC20 tokens, which is the kind of most popular token standard um, out there. Um, my, my theory is just that, uh, that a lot of people are saying right. the world is going to be tokenized, and uh, we want to make it easier for people to kind of buy, store, and manage their tokens, and then use them as well. Yeah, it seems like there's a big market for that in a sense that, like, for a typical user, you know, being able to buy and sell cryptocurrency is not super user friendly right now, and the tools are pretty rough. Um, so, you know, the first company to come and build a, some software that's that's easy for people to use and feels comfortable for us casual users should probably be able to capture a big chunk of that of that business. Um, tell us about like so the super interesting story uh, about how you were working with Ethereum early on. Um, so your background is kind of is it UI design or like I, I think of you as like a kind of a design guy. Um, how did you how did you get in touch with with um, the team there or how did they get in touch with you and tell us a little bit about how that worked because you, you were working with them really early on and and um, I don't know it's a super interesting story yeah so I met the um, uh, CTO of ethereum Gavin Wood uh, at a hacker house in San Francisco and we got chatting about um, ethereum and the project and I'd heard of it already on a podcast and uh, also from a couple of friends and it just seemed like it was meaningfully different to Bitcoin. A lot of the other projects that were coming out at the time were just forking Bitcoin and slapping a new name on it. But this seemed to be like a fundamentally new project. Um, and then when I returned to the UK, uh, I spent some time uh, with Gavin just mocking up uh, ideas for a DApp store and a wallet and a network monitor. And um, yeah, so I really only contributed uh, a couple of months time to the project uh, before I, I, I ran out of money and I needed to go do some freelancing. Um, but it was you know, very kindly, he said, oh, at some point we'll send you some ether or something if it all works out. And I was like, great, yeah, and I didn't really think anything of it. Um, but uh, it was an amazing time you know, to have bumped into to Gavin and Vitalik uh, in Silicon Valley. And it, they crashed with me at one point and uh, they were kind of pitching the project to investors. And uh, um, it wasn't really 
taking off uh, and or it wasn't really capturing many people's imagination but they they were definitely able to kind of raise that money through the token sale and then what they've been able to do since is just incredible so it was just fantastic to see it before it all took off and uh, to have helped just in a, a tiny tiny way yeah that's awesome you i remember you were telling me um sort of when we met about you i met you with a, a group of folks that you were getting back together with that that had met at a at a hacker house in san francisco and it just sound it sounded very uh I don't know, quintessential Silicon Valley, um, you know, bunch of young people crashing at a at a at a house and working on various projects. It sounded 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 pretty pretty yeah, cool. I don't know. Really, Tell us about that. Like it was ticking a lot of the stereotypes, but honestly, just everyone wanted to be there, and we didn't have very much money. So you either don't be in San Francisco, uh, or you just afford you know pay a thousand dollars for a bunk bed in a, in a kind of dungeon style uh, house with like loads of people, but. It is interesting because the, like the set of people who are there, they've gone on to be one of the top YouTubers has now come out of there, a guy who works at SpaceX, a guy who works at Tesla, um, my business partner who worked at Apple. Like, I, and like, I'm really impressed to see what all of the people who lived through that kind of squalor <laughs> um, have like gone on to do. So um, th- there is a, a huge debate there about whether that's an acceptable way to live and all those things. But I have to say, everyone who is willing to live like that in San Francisco for a few months, definitely wanted to be there. So it was an interesting group of people. Yeah, it seems interesting. I mean, this takes a certain certain type of person who wants to pack up and, and um, you know, move to San Francisco, live in a house with a bunch of other people and work on, on trying to build the next big thing um, to see where all those people end up. It's kind of, I don't know, super interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, so so um, tell us about what you're working on now. Do you spend a lot of your time on balance or do you work on other things? Or, or um, like, it, tell us what you're up to. Yeah, so I'm really fo- 100% focused on balance. Um, we decided not to do a token sale last year uh, because we felt we didn't have a good reason for a token. Uh, so instead, we actually did a crowdfunding round, um, which 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 uh, went really well in terms of uh, the response uh, from the community um, and raised raised some money there. And so now we're we're a team of five people and uh, working on making a, a a great token wallet. What was the process of the, the crowdfunding like? Tell us about the choices you made and, and how it worked out and things you learned. Yeah, so the, the biggest thing I learned is uh, the trickiest part of using a platform where they don't have credit card processing is it means that there are lots of small transactions that are bank transfers that are really hard, I think, for the platform to correlate to the right person. So we have only just received like all the money uh, after seven months of... A lot of work and hassle I've got to say so while um, ICOs have many negative connotations the great thing is that the smart contract just distributes the funds to you straight away you're not going through all of these third parties you know where people have to transfer all of the money from one bank to another bank to another bank um, uh, where, where they go through this crowdfunding platform um, and so I think I think that we would definitely not use the platform we used um, before again because uh, it, it led to just an enormous amount of administration and work to get all that sorted. Um, so, I, but I, what the, on the plus side, it's really awesome to have a community of, of, of kind of fifteen hundred investors and and people who who want to support us. Um, but I have to say, I, I I I do think the mechanisms for crowdfunding could still be improved, and I'm interested to see what other platforms do. That's great. Yeah. So um, I noticed uh, on Twitter, you mentioned that the, you guys are doing some, this is like just in the last couple of days, it sounded like you were um, 
putting up like a bounty for the creation of icons to be used in your app and that the icons would become part of some kind of an open source project. I was curious to know, it, it looked like it's taking advantage of some kind of an Ethereum platform for bounties in software. And I was I was wondering what that looked like and, and um, maybe you could tell us about it. I don't know. It's, it looked really interesting, but I didn't know much about how it works. Is that a new, is that a new way to, to fund um, open source and, and uh, community code? Yeah, so Status is one of the um, most interesting projects in the Ethereum space. So they're trying to build a whole bunch of infrastructure to get um, Ethereum nodes to run on a phone. And uh, one of the many projects they've launched is an open bounty system, which allows developers to say, I have this issue on my GitHub repository, um, and if you solve it for me, you know this would be worth X to me. And so for us, uh, we have been using a wonderful icon library from Chris Downer. Um, and he's the designer of Sketch, which is the tool that pretty much every designer uses to design. And um, he, he spent some time um, creating a set of icons for, um, for, for a lot of the different tokens and cryptocurrencies. So we kind of did a, we were able to put a bounty on people uh, there to see if, if any designers would like to contribute to this library because we'd like it to be uh, complete and kind of have the top of thousand tokens uh, there, which would be just useful for our app and I think useful for the community as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to see these um, uh, different uh, plays on incentivizing kind of distributed ecosystems of developers and designers and project managers and all kinds of people to, to make new things. And I just wanted to try out what they were doing. Yeah, how does it work? So when somebody, so I assume there was a bounty put up. It says if you create these icons for these different cryptocurrencies, you can get paid from the bounty. Who yep. is it? Like a community managed process? Like how how did they? Uh, how does the system or how do you decide who gets the bounty and and how it works? Like is is that something that's automated or new through the through the Ethereum um, platform, or is it or is it just kind of manual? Uh, so I believe that in the case uh, of our project, um, since I started the bounty, I will be the one to decide who gets paid what. And I'll be using um, this uh, GitHub bot that Status have created that will allow me to kind of say if someone does 10 icons, I'll send them a kind of portion of the, um, a portion of the amount. Um, so users are kind of connecting to the open status, uh, sorry, the open bounty status app, and I will be apportioning out the amounts uh, as and when people contribute. That's great. Have, have people responded? Have you, have we gotten icons out of the, out of the process? Uh, I, I think that I, uh, or is it, or is it a little too soon? I think it's a little too soon. And uh, I'm basically my, one of the things I'm going to be doing this week is, is posting this open bounty, uh, to communities where they might see it. So things like designer news or, um, perhaps to a couple of my designer friends who might share it and, and just find it cool, uh, to work on. Uh, so, so I, it was a little early stage where I just kind of tweeted about it just to show that it was there. Um, but I'll be looking to get some designers to have a look at it uh, as soon as possible. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like I mean, you feel like it seems like uh, of the things I read that you write and post on Twitter, it feels like you're very uh, in touch with, I don't know, sort sort of the uh, latest and greatest in terms of how this. Um, how crypto affects day-to-day businesses, you know, beyond just beyond just uh, the investment side of things, but because of the uh, the wallet that you're building and and uh, yeah, it's it's just um, you seem like one of the more in touch people about this stuff that, that I know. Um, I don't know where do you see the 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 market for um, all these altcoins and stuff? Do you, do you see altcoins as continuing or what's what's your what's your take on the future of, of cryptocurrency and and uh, and the technology in general? Yeah, there's there's two two things that I'm 
thinking about a lot is that basically everything is going to be tokenized and that and included in that is lots of stuff that shouldn't be tokenized uh, so I don't think like a lot of things should be and that, that it will work but I do think out of this kind of Cambrian explosion of different experiments you know we're gonna get some really interesting models where the token acts as an incentive um, and you know, the, if we were to say 20 years ago that a bunch of people would get out of bed every day and go and tend to some Bitcoin mines it would sound like sci-fi and so but the Bitcoin Kind of token or the, the, the thing that drives the network creates all these interesting incentives and so um, I, I like this idea for, that was from Trent McConaughey at Ocean Protocol that we're moving towards a practice of token engineering and that I, I think that the current class of tokens there's going to be a few good ones in there but most of them will crash and burn but that doesn't mean that what's coming uh, will also fail uh, so I'm very excited about uh, different models. Um, Multicoin Capital put out this amazing blog post where they describe um, a couple of token models from the, the work token model where it's almost like a medallion which you, which you pay to get access to um, the right to serve different customers and that there's several projects that are working on things like that. One of them is called Keep where you do computation on your um, computer and the more of the Keep tokens you have the more of the computation flow you get and the more money you earn which is like a really good idea for a token and there's like a discounted cash flow to the token then. Um, and then they had some other models there in that post as well. And then the second area I'm really interested in is just can any of these competing smart contract platforms make a legitimate attack at Ethereum? Uh, or, and maybe not an attack so much as just attract a whole new set of developers into the space. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious about all of them and the way in which they function. I spent a lot of time reading around those simply because uh, if Balance is going to support like the best platforms, then uh, Ethereum I think is the one we want to start with right now. But if, if something else pops up, I'm definitely open to, to, to supporting that as well. Um, my, my theory is that in order for, for a, a competing platform to really succeed, it needs to like improve enormously on um, speed and then also of developer experience. So I think it's still quite tricky to build and, and ship on, on Ethereum and, and it's getting better every day, but um, I could imagine you know almost like a stripe level uh, quality of developer experience for the onboarding and, and and developer productivity. So, yeah, those are the two areas that I'm thinking about a lot at the moment. Yeah, one thing that comes to mind, I, I people think about like, well, will will Bitcoin and Ethereum continue to be kind of the standard bearers for where people like to store their value in cryptocurrency? And and um, the only reason that those two are the ones that that um, that are the, the the market leaders is because there's consensus around them being a good place or a good place to stick your value. Um, you know that could change in an instant if some if if people on mass decided that there was a different platform that was better. You know, there's there's really no reason it should be Bitcoin versus something else, assuming the technology is similar and and because of the open source nature of these cryptocurrencies, somebody else could create another Ethereum type token and and that could become the new standard. Um, and so there's been some chat on the internet about. So maybe the next wave of cryptocurrency being more about like bulk drops to to the world, like so that if somebody offered a cryptocurrency where, if you look at like Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know most of the Bitcoin and Ethereum are held by by a small group of people, particularly Bitcoin. It seems like it's controlled centrally by by big chunks of people, um, and uh, so if somebody were to create a, a a coin that was more democratized and and literally if they had a way to somehow verify every person on the let's say, let's say you could verify every person on the globe and give everybody hundred dollars worth of cryptocurrency so that so that everybody has it um equally to start with um you know at, at least to, so, so that 
people all over the world would have an incentive to, to believe that this thing has value because they all have some of it, um, that that might be the next way to bootstrap a, a new cryptocurrency to compete because it would have a much more broader base. And it, it kind of re, uh, I don't know, resets the resets the, the cap table on, on the cryptocurrency because it just kind of wipe out this old thing that, that only a few people own, replace it with something that lots of people own. I don't know. That's it's, it's, it's sort of... Uh, some of the chatter I, I hear, I can't remember what the term is for it, like a, a mass mass coin drop or something like that. Yeah. That sounds like a fun idea. I mean, I. Yeah. What I mean, do you think about it, Richard? What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm not convinced by any model that's going to drop just some abstract token to a whole bunch of people. I think that. Um, I think that at some stage you need to kind of breathe economic life into a protocol and the tokens need to do that with different different mechanisms but you know if 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 we all have a hundred of this x new token it doesn't mean that we all agree um that 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 hundred is suddenly worth you know what is that what are we saying it's worth against um where 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 does the work the value come from um and so what I'm, what I'm most interested in as well is that like any debate about distributing a token to, to even hundreds of millions of people, let alone billions or, or tens of millions of people, um, we, we all come back to how we're going to improve the transactions per second. And that's what I keep thinking about a lot is, is uh, what, what are all the different scaling techniques for Ethereum from kind of uh, Tendermint's uh, system to Parity's bridge uh, project. Um, to to Casper and uh, Plasma Cash that's just been announced. So all these things could help Ethereum scale, but th- I think that the event that we're all waiting for is is or we're thinking a lot about is is if a, if a protocol can exist and handle hundreds of thousands of transactions um, uh, across the world per second, uh, then that is likely to be the one that would help a lot of these pieces of software work and function, and then give it value and be much more widely distributed. Um, I'm not convinced that these global airdrops are the right thing, especially when the best chains are kind of running at 10 to 30 transactions a second. Yeah, I mean, you still have to convince these people that you airdrop coins to that they should figure out how to use them, which the vast majority of people on on Earth aren't really interested in learning about new technology. I mean, it's just not, it's only a small segment of people that would care enough to figure out how it works. But it, it kind of would, that, the concept reminds me of how PayPal did things when they, when they first launched PayPal pretty much everybody who opened a PayPal account got $5. And if you sign, if you convinced a friend to open up a PayPal account, they got $5 and then you got five more dollars. And it was sort of like, you know, they're basically paying to acquire the users, but it, it created, um, you know, they needed a network of people. And that sometimes that means paying people to show up. Um, and, uh, you know, if everybody has $5 to spend, it, it certainly increases the likelihood that they'll figure out how to spend it. Um, as opposed to like you know just randomly deciding to figure out how to how to use a cryptocurrency wallet, um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The, the transaction per second thing is really interesting. I think I, I've talked about it on previous podcasts, but you know I don't I mostly I, the cryptocurrency that I own. I mostly just buy it and hold it, and it's not like I do a lot of transacting, um, you know, like for for day to day transactions. But in situations where I have tried, so for instance, when we when the when the, the Filecoin 
tra- uh, sale happened, there was a need to, to convert some some uh, for that transaction to go through. There's also um, I was I played around with the Crypto Kitties like just as a game on the internet, and was realizing when I played that Crypto Crypto Kitties game that that these transactions are not happening quickly, um, and sometimes not at all. And it started to 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 show kind of the cracks at the seams about like whether this stuff can scale. Like what are what what are some of the you mentioned some projects that are working on helping things scale better and more transactions. Do you know much about those? Like what's the what's the landscape look like there, and and what's the future for trying to make this stuff work at a at a wide scale? Yeah, one I'm really curious about is Dfinity. Um, so their concept for um, a kind of system or blockchain-like system is to run it all on something called a random beacon, and um, as a, and it's a technique called threshold relay. So you get all these computers talking to each other, and when 400 of them kind of agree on the random number, um, it, it starts to produce this this kind of pulse, almost like a kind of uh, heartbeat to the system, where you don't know what the next random number will be, but you do know that every computer will agree that it's the same one. And then off this off this kind of uh, beacon, they're building an entire consensus system and uh, blockchain that's meant to meant to scale a lot. So that as you add more nodes, you get more scale. Um, much of their stuff is is I think um, uh, not not quite out there in the wild yet, and it's not been pressure tested. But they're working incredibly hard on the project, and um, I really like the team and 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 the, and the videos. And so I'm excited to see what uh, how that project progresses. It's the one I'm paying a fair bit of attention to. That's great. I mean, um, so as we sort of run toward the uh, the end of our time, I thought, you know, is there any place where people can find out more about balance and, and tell tell people, you know, what what they should go check out? I, I know you have some great posts on Medium. Um, help 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 drive people to uh, to where they can find out more about the stuff you're working on. Yeah, we're looking for people to test our kind of private beta. If you've um, bought any kind of Ethereum-based token, we'd absolutely love to chat to you uh, and uh, and get you on board. And you can sign up by just going to balance.io. Um, and it'd be really great to, to have people trying it out. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. This has been really interesting. We'll have to have you back on at some point in the future. Um, you know, it's, this stuff changes really quickly and, um, and yeah. I, I love getting your take on it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for taking the time. Um, and, uh, thanks everyone else for listening and we'll see you all next week.